Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Before we get into the Bloom Files this week, I want to take a second and talk to you about insurance. And not just the one that Clyde Bruckman can sell you. No, I'm talking about GEICO, this week's sponsor on the Bloom Files. Do you own or rent your home? Sure you do. And I bet it can be hard work. You know what's easy? Bundling policies with GEICO. GEICO makes it easy to bundle your homeowner's or renter's insurance along with your auto policy. It's a good thing, too, because you already have so much to do around your home. Go to GEICO.com, get a quote, and see how much you can save. It's GEICO easy. Visit GEICO.com today. That's GEICO.com. The truth is out there. And here, who knows? But either way, we are opening up the Bloom Files and X-Files rewatch slash first watch podcast here on Post Show Recaps. Hello, everybody. Mike Bloom here to get into one of the most talked about episodes of the X-Files in series history. And we're going to add to the conversation. Now, of course, I do say we because I am joined this week as I am every week by my lovely wife, who, among many skills, can probably see the future. Do I? I don't know. I guess I do. Yeah. Clairvoyant to an extent. Exactly. Angela Bloom. Angela, did you know I was going to give that introduction? Yep, 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 yep. (laughs) That is like me being... The yap, the great yappy. Oh, great yappy! I was wondering. I was like, "Are you being the the the, the little Muppets on Sesame Street?" No, I'm being the the great and powerful uh, yappy. Yeah, the stupendous yappy. Yeah, that's it. Stupendous. Well, yappy. I was going to say you could be quoting the aliens because uh, it that could might be, be that might be the only alien quote this week because we're dealing with an episode of the X Files that has no aliens, no aliens, nothing to do with aliens, nothing to do with the main conspiracy as we talked about. Yeah, last definitely. Week. This is off the mythology arc, which is an nice i think breath of fresh air after doing so many back to back to back arc episodes um yeah we go from back to back to like the head in terms of this was a real (laughs) mind bender it was in the form of clyde bruckman's final repose yeah and i was um pretty excited for you to see this one because i think that it's one of the best episodes out there i also think that um, from my perspective, it was something that you would really enjoy mm-hmm. just from a, like a weird, like sci-fi s- side of things, but also acting wise, it's, it's pretty much quintessential for me. X-Files, like love that back and forth between Mulder and Scully. And mm-hmm. there's an amazing guest star in Peter Boyle. So yeah. we'll dive into all of it. Absolutely. And so I guess if I'm giving my thoughts right at the top here, I mean, you hit the target. Uh, bullseye this is totally my jam this is a combination yeah. of sort of like sci-fi mysticism incredibly dark comedy but also like profound philosophical thinking right yeah. we're getting into the whole free will versus fate and determinism mm-hmm. which is something that i always love talking about especially when it comes to ideas like time travel and there's not i mean i wouldn't say there's time travel outright in this episode but there there sort of is so that topped off with as you said a really Great performance by Peter Boyle, obviously up to this point, known for uh, both playing the monster in Young Frankenstein. And I <laughs> don't know if everybody loves Raymond had started. At this I have point. no idea. I'm not, I'm not a Raymond head, as they call them. I was a pretty big Raymond head. Were you? I remember clear as day uh, the series finale when Ray has a heart attack and like there's a there's a chance that he may die and his family rushes around him. There's also a significant That's like part episode. I think I had no idea about that. So yeah, there's I. <laughs> you you actually were a big Raymond. Head. I watched a lot of Everybody <laughs> Loves Raymond. That's uh, not a bad show. I just was never watched it. Uh, Everybody Loves Raymond came out in 1996, and this episode I think came out in 90. 
five. Yeah, like maybe? right before that. Yeah, so this is uh, Peter Boyle's about to, you know, go from Emmy win to Emmy win. As mm-hmm. Well, he didn't win, but it won. It won. I no, think, he did win. I he think, did I win. He won, he won at least one Emmy for Everybody Loves Raymond. No, he won an Emmy for this, too. And for so guest that's appearance. the thing is that uh, he, you know, this, him and this episode, I think it's safe to say, listen, I'm going to be talking out of my own butt here, but as the expert, uh, expert <laughs> you can uh, you can agree or disagree. It seems like this is the episode that sort of put the X-Files on the map in terms of like prestige. Like notoriety. Yeah, I was going to say notoriety outside of sort of the cult community, for sure. I mean, I think that people were watching it prior to that just because it, it was very similar to a lot of other procedural shows that were on. So, But I think it got pretty weird mm-hmm. for a lot of folks. And then maybe this this brought it back into more of the zeitgeist, per se. Right. So Spencer, who always sends in great feedback every week, wrote to that note, This episode was monumental in earning a lot of goodwill with the television industry. The critical acclaim was extremely high, which led to the show earning two Emmy Awards, one for the the writing of Darren Morgan, which we'll get into, and one for Peter Boyle's guest acting. I like to think that Boyle's Emmy win opened the eyes and inspired other high-profile mm-hmm. veteran Hollywood actors to take on X-Files guest roles in hopes of capturing their own Emmy award. Therefore, the show's standalone episodes began to sprinkle in more comedic elements to them, as these well-known actors typically don't want to show up in a one-and-done role during a serious and highly procedural Monster of the Week episode. So that's, that's a really interesting idea, and I guess we'll see, yeah, you will see. A, a bunch of like uh, you know blasts from the past in that regard. But I think Spencer brings up an interesting point. Is his statement true that oftentimes when we have these famous people come in, that these are episodes that are maybe more comedically tinged, not necessarily Tony Shalhoub in soft light? Yeah, and Tony Shalhoub in soft light, I think, at the time was not a notoriated actor. I mean, he had his acting chops under him, but he wasn't, like, famous for being on Monk yet, you know? So I think that he's not really the example, but there are future episodes. There's one where we're going to watch where they... (laughs) They go to Hollywood and there's a movie being made about them being made. <gasps> what? And they're like, it, yeah, so it's like very, very, me- it's super meta. You're going to love it. That's, that's really fun. But it's also very funny. And there are guest stars in it that like, I don't think would have, you know, done it if it weren't, um, if it weren't for maybe this Peter Boyle episode. And yeah. So I would say most of the time, the comedic elements are in there when there's uh, somebody of higher caliber guesting mm. on the show. We mentioned Darren Morgan, who is the writer of Clyde Bruckman's Final Repose. I guess we missed his first episode, Humbug, back in season two. But it, we but, did. But it seems like he's a pretty weighty... That's a great episode, too, but we, we had to skip it. We, had to we skip can't it. watch the whole series. Though Ugh. I do believe we are going to watch his two other episodes from season three down the line, just yes. so people are not, not too alarmed. But So can you talk to me a bit about him? Is he just like, was he a pretty monumental writer on the show? I don't know too much about him. I mean, I... I personally like the episodes that he has written. Um, I think that, you know, he's somebody who has like a kind of a dark comedy mm-hmm. side to him. So even in the opening sequence, and we can, you know, use that to dive right in maybe, but the opening sequence where Peter Boyle is just in the the convenience store right. has like such a weird tone to it. And it's it's something that I really love, where he's just like buying lottery tickets and like just like kind of like looking at the newspaper and like it's just very weird tonally. Yeah, so we start things off on such an odd note. Of course, there's our <laughs> yeah. usual X Files cold open, right? That features neither Mulder nor Scully. Yeah, but usually it's something like monumental happens, like somebody snatched from their bed no, or but aliens case, land. We're just listening to the stupendous Yappies foreseeable future, mm-hmm. where he's throwing out predictions like. Madonna and Kato Kalin will have a romance. Uh, it's so poignant to the time. Uh, I mean, who knows? Uh, now that Kato Kalin's back in the That's zeitgeist, true. I guess he Big was. Brother, maybe it'll become a thing. <laughs> uh, yeah, and he was actually popular at the time as well. And then, of course, hitting a nerve with Clyde Bruckman, Buddy Holly, mm-hmm. not Elvis is actually alive. And he'll regroup with the crickets at Lollapalooza, another fun little like uh, textbook '90s reference. And Peter Boyle saying Lollapa, Lollapa, Lollapalazzo, Lollapalazzo. What's Lollapalazzo? And then the clerk responds, "Who's Buddy Holly?" And so it's just like uh, generations removed. These yeah. damn kids. So one thing I'll say right off the top here is Peter Boyle's performance is <laughs> it's so incredible. good, incredible. <laughs> Particularly just. I mean, I guess it's another... You just want to know who this guy is. You're like, what is this? What's happening? Another thing that he brings over to Raymond as well is this guy is just so good at deadpan. Yeah. He's so good at just giving 
flat delivery, but not in a way that's perceived as just like uh, non charismatic. Like he he has the comedy to it. Well, that's uh, what I'm saying. It's very dark. It's, it's very, very dark. dark, and I love that type of comedy. Yeah. Um. So so it's, it's again, you know, it's him saying like a. Uh, Oh, and then this will happen at Lala Palazzo. What the hell is that? You know, yeah. It, yeah. And it, it comes from also, I think, Clyde Bruckman, the character, which we'll get into, is just basically cursed yeah. from his perspective and is just incredibly morbidly depressed from the superpower he's been given. Yeah, which I get. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And we'll certainly get into obviously it's, it's a superpower that, you know, you didn't I don't want like, it for like a day. No, I wouldn't like, want it at all. <laughs> like not one bit. Yeah, exactly. At least make it like an Isaac Mendez thing where you can paint how somebody dies. Make it at least a little bit of creativity. Well, he paints fostered. the future too. Like this guy literally just sees how people are going to die. And we see that one scene later where he's like holding objects and Mulder's yeah. like, I think he has one very specific power. Other than being he's an arbiter of good taste when it comes to horrific centerpieces True. of those golden frogs. True. But True. as Clyde Bruckman wakes his way out of the convenience store, we found out that we're back in the Midwest mm-hmm. where freaky stuff happens in St. Paul, Minnesota. Basically, he's going to do that really awkward hallway shuffle with this guy yeah like oh you go uh, you go to the right uh, no i'll go to the right oh yeah. okay and this guy is going to turn out to be our big bad of the episode i don't believe he has a name i think it's just called the killer yeah i think so but i like how he um like clyde Bugman says sorry and he or the guy says so sorry and clyde Bugman's like um a better dancer than my last date yeah i think no <laughs> that's what he said to clyde Bruckman. yeah Something like that. Somebody said it, and I thought it was funny. These two guys are both a little off, so I yeah. think it's fine that they yeah. mix them up. So this, the killer, the nameless killer in this episode, was played by an actor named Stuart Charno, who, fun fact, is the husband of a writer on the X Files. I didn't know that. Who's to say the nepotism can't get you anywhere in this town? Sure, can. he's a great actor, though. This guy, he, he was very fun in this episode. He was also great at playing like just the big weirdo who is going to be a more of a malevolent weirdo yes. in the way that Clyde Breckman. But is. in a way that just like it, I never felt like totally creeped out by him like mm-hmm. i was like oh he's weird he's a murderer that's yeah. odd well we see like- that immediately as he goes to visit this palm reader where basically he sort of voices the yeah. philosophy we'll get from him madame zelma yeah where he basically says uh reminds me of holes actually i'm trying to remember what the name of i yeah, forget the yeah. Name, yeah the name of like the, another madam the relative who has to get climbed uh carried up the mountain to, to she's one of those typical like tropey palm readers where she has like a, a sort of russian-esque accent <laughs> yeah vague eastern european vague eastern soviet block accent. yeah but at the end she it's fake like she starts talking like you're really creeping me out right and <laughs> the reason why he's creeping around is because then he starts to say you know i had a glimpse of my future self i'm doing things i can't imagine myself doing and mm-hmm. it seems like this guy feels like he's cursed by some sort of like out of body experience yeah or he is puppeted when more so i think it's it's due to he's crazy yeah just yeah. psychological disturbances maybe even like a split personality disorder yeah. where one side of him is doing these things and the other one's not realizing he's a it. homocytomaniac it's like a jekyll and hyde situation except jekyll is not even all there either no um then he kills her and he kills her and that's how we, we open things we yeah. open things with a straight up murder well, because I think that he is obsessed with finding out the future because he hopes by finding out the future, he'll understand why he is doing the things that he's doing. Yeah, I think to a certain extent it is a little Mulder and Scully-esque yeah. of like, what's the conspiracy? He's convinced there's a conspiracy behind him doing these things, right? Like, is there a mind control? Well, there's got to be a reason. The I think he just wonders what the reason is and he can't figure out the reason. And he doesn't accept at this moment yet that there's the reason is there is no reason. Exactly. Yeah. So after the credits, we get brought into another crime scene. And the the comedy, I think, already begins here. Yes. Where there's a really fun (laughs) swerve where they're like, okay, we're going to bring someone on who's a little spooky. Yeah, they basically are talking about what you're supposed to understand is Mulder. Mm. Like, they're like, yeah, he's the best in the business. He really knows his stuff. He's helped us solve that this many cases. He's real spooky, though. And it's not. And then Mulder is at the door and they're like, who are you? Exactly. Like, you're not the spooky person we called on. It's like at that point, where's the audience laughter? Where's the the laugh track? Yeah. Uh, So they break down this body and the body has been broken down itself. Uh, They note that I guess this this woman who isn't herself like a sort of a fortune teller as well. Her eyeballs are gone. I guess we learn as a. This is the lady that he just killed. It's no, just... I don't. Is that Zelma? Yeah. Oh, I thought it was somebody different. No, this is Zelma at this point. Okay. 
so then, but then I know that there's a fun fact, I guess, fun in, in quotations about how the Satanists take the eyeballs and they leave the body. Never heard that before. <laughs> yeah, I mean, same, but also, I don't know. We're not in like a cult. We're not? We're, we're not in cult criminal investigators. So I wouldn't say that I know much about that kind of stuff. All right. Well, that'll be our homework for next time. Yeah, okay. Get into the occult. <laughs> do they do they cover like Satanism at all in the? Yeah, house? yeah. There's a few. There was one that we skipped where it was like a little boy um, was possessed or something, and his the Kalahari, I think, is mm-hmm. that one. And they're oh, like the Kalahari Resort. Yeah. No, they're like gypsies, and it's like a very like another Eastern European sort of thing, but. Um, whatever. There's Satanism all throughout the X Files. It's just not as interesting. <laughs> they also say that back in the day, they thought you could see the future by vivisecting someone mm-hmm. and reading the entrails. Okay, yeah. There's a that's actually true. There's a that's lot of that. Wild. There's if you ever read any sort of mythology or it's not mythology, medieval, um, like medical documentation mm-hmm. or like it's all dripping with like, um, blood. Yes, but also like how it connects to spirituality, like Mm -hmm. medical stuff was very much spiritual and religious back then. So like, yeah, you're going to like look at entrails and maybe you can. Yeah, well, that that even goes back a little bit to I know back in Elizabethan era. Oh, yeah. Like, oh, the liver, right? She always refers to the liver. Everything has like the heart. Yeah, everything has like a meaning to it. It's all like the humors. Exactly. There's, there's the spiritualism exists in each and every one of your internal organs. <laughs> yeah. So I guess like reading entrails is very much so a um, a thing that happened in the past. But I don't I don't think that's what was going on here. Definitely not. Again, that's the the fun part. I mean, of this, maybe right? that's what that guy was doing. He was cutting out body parts and stuff to like try to see the future and and all that. Yeah. Maybe he's sort of like throwing everything at the wall, like it's yeah. Literally in this case, to see what sticks. Of like, okay, maybe this will tell me the future. You know. Yeah. Like maybe. After he killed his next victim, he like read the horoscope afterwards yeah, to, to see potentially. what future could be foretold for him. But the expert that was talked about in the beginning of the scene finally walks in. The stupendous Yappy himself with his one person entourage and a teeming fan club. Um, yes, I love Yappy. He's an awful, awful person. <laughs> Yappy is played by Jap Broker, I believe her name is. His name is, which uh, actually was David Duchovny's stand-in. Oh, really? Yeah. They do have very similar hair. <laughs> yeah, that's like how sometimes you they like find a role for the stunt double of a yeah. character, right? I, I think that's a very fun idea that this is a guy who, again, was just always of- on set when they were doing lighting and they were like, yeah, you could play this part. You play this sort of like Yuri Geller yeah. offshoot. Uh, Yuri Geller meets like snake oil salesman. But I think yeah, it's also very, very much the snake oil salesman. But it's very fun given the way that Mulder, again, gets the, mixed up in the beginning. That it's yeah. a guy who has been specifically brought onto the show to like play a version of him. Yeah. Is now playing this role. So <laughs> obviously Yappy is. Uh, pretty, you know, shite. Well, and I do think this is a funny, like, 90s trope of, um, like, uh, some sort of TV persona who tells your future psychic hotline right. type I of mean, vibe. That's, that's what, uh, you it know. doesn't really exist any, I mean, it does, but like, people don't really watch cable TV anymore, so there's, you don't see those type of infomercials. Right. And that was like, I mean, listen, this is, uh, such rife material that they based an entire series off of it called Psych, so. True. Clearly, like, this is a, a very fun Long Island idea. medium. Exactly. And Yappy is working those brows. Oh, man. I love his eyebrows. And, like, he does this thing where he'll put, like, one eyebrow up and, like, as an emphasis on a on a statement. Yeah. And, like, like shake his head back. And it's very funny. Yeah, I want to see this guy go into an eyebrow off with, like, yeah. Phil Kogan. And because he also gets the switches as well. Uh, but basically, Yappy is, is giving out these, like, generalisms, right? That, especially back in the day, yes. was, like, John Edwards, <laughs> people called out a lot on Terms of, They're like, I think, I think it was your brother or maybe your sister. Yeah, I think they call it cold reading, yeah. <laughs> where you pick up some in the audience, like, okay, I'm getting a presence about a male in your life. Could it be a father or a brother? Right. And then from there, you sort of yeah, yeah. hone it's in just on using it. Using your intuition. And, and also, I mean, this is what Mulder, his entire career is based off of psychic, uh, not psychic, um, criminal profiling. Right. And so that's his job is to like read people, understand their motives, understand sort of what might happen based on those motives. So like this is just garbage to him. He's well, so upset by it. And he's not even good at it because he throws out these generics like, oh, no, he's, well, I he's think a they're... white man who does not or does have facial well, hair. Well, yes, they're doing like a caricature of what already is a pretty vague and and weird sort of type of person. So I think yeah. they're really trying to just bring amp up the funny here. Yeah, and there is a lot of funny amped up here where <laughs> Yappy stops his generic descriptions to say, hold on, 
I'm getting a read. There's some negative energy here in the room. And again, another fantastic swerve where he goes right to Scully's well, face. So you're like, yeah, it must be Scully because she's a skeptic. He turns his head and says, Mulder, get out of here. You're getting in the way of my juju. Also, Scully's face here, it kills me. She just looks at him like, oh, well, you gotta go. <laughs> Sorry, Mulder, you're the skeptic in this case. Um, This is like, this episode was like, is some of my favorite Scully acting. Mm-hmm. Um, I like when she is sort of this like backseat um side eye giver yeah yeah she's very good at it and it's very like you can see like she has does this like little half smile and it's just very it's welcoming it's joyful it's not as like i don't know what to do Mulder. Mm-hmm. i don't know you know it's not as intense and i yeah. just feel like she does that light sort of acting really well jillian anderson is the gift queen in this episode there's so many just fantastic reactions oh, yeah. to like when the guy says and he's to psychic Clyde, and, yeah. he, and he goes to the carpet. <laughs> Kills me. So Mulder, so gets, good. Mulder gets kicked out and Yappy event leaves pretty soon after. And they, they exchange. Yeah, he's like in the hallway, like he got like a uh, timeout. <laughs> yeah, and he, and he exchanges, they exchange a couple of, of crosswords. But basically, you know, Mulder is ticked off that, like you said, he's sort of making a mockery of what he's doing. Yeah, what he does for a profession, yeah, his which, legitimate career. Which will be interesting considering how that turns when he comes yes. into contact with Clyde Bruckman, who we find doing his day-to-day work of selling life insurance. Yeah. And I guess he just, like, maybe figures at this point he really needs to, like, do some good with his gift. Yeah. So he's going to people and, like, he knows how they're going to die. So he's selling them life insurance that will help them after they die. So do you think this is a a profiling situation? Do you think he, like, goes to whatever the name of this company is and says, oh, I've got a good, like, I feel like this guy might be someone to get life insurance. Or do you think it just so happens that he so It's whoever he gets assigned and then he's using his gift because he could be, like, they could die peacefully and then he won't have to, he won't make them spend as much money on life insurance because... They don't need it. You know, right. it's like, or, you know, they could, this guy who's, <laughs> poor guy and his wife are like getting interviewed at their table, which was another like wild thing back in the day. Yeah, like like door to door salesman, door to door insurance salesman. And so he tells him he's going to die in a boating accident soon. So he better get the, the no, more- no, he says he's going to die in a drunk driving accident. Oh, right, right, right. That's right. Says, so he says, because he's like, oh, I don't need life insurance. Oh, but like, he really wants want to boat. buy, he wants to buy a boat. Yeah. Yeah. Which is a terrible deal. Yeah. First of all, guy. Get your life in order. You yeah. don't need it's not either or. You can exactly. get a boat and life insurance. Exactly. Just get a smaller boat so you yeah. can get a better policy. You get a little like dinghy. That's all you really need if you're yeah. gonna boat around, especially if you're in St. Paul. I know, so wild. But so we see we get a little bit of glimpse of like a day in the life of Clyde Bruckman. Yes. He goes home and he sees like uh, a face in the cabbage that he's holding. I guess he just sees death everywhere. Yeah, I think at this point he's just seeing death everywhere. I don't know if it's like, oh, maybe the guy who held the cabbage last or grew the <laughs> cabbage. It's like, you know, that kind of thing. But his life is miserable. Yeah, to the point where, I mean, it really does seem like to me, I haven't read Stephen King's The Dead Zone, but from what I know, this seems very similar, right? Where like, I haven't read that either. Where so he either touches know. or comes into contact with somebody and completely unintentionally... Yeah, we'll this is, I've seen this in other things, too, where somebody knows how they're, you know, you're going to die. It's like, a, it must be some kind of psychological, like, like trait or something. Yeah, like, we'll, we'll talk about, I think, his own origin story later on. But a real fun, gruesome image here as he greets his elderly neighbor and finds oh, out that she's yeah. going to die. It's that old situation, right, where she dies, nobody's around to know yeah. it, and so her dog eats her. Yeah, can't blame him. Can't blame the pup. Can't, I, I guess not. Excuse me, not Mister. Wanna. Mister, we were in the car the other day and asks me if I would ever eat a human being. It was just a question. <laughs> I was wondering. Oh uh, yeah, we yeah. had about like a ten minute discussion about it. By we the way. did. We had a very long discussion because I was like, "Is there a way that I would ever eat a human like, being?" I think of a very specific scenario. I had to say that it would have to be. Options. Yeah, but even then. No, because if I'm in the scenario where I have to eat a human being, I don't think I want to be alive. You know, like unless I'm getting rescued literally the next day and that human being eating is going to save me from to be rescued, then no, I wouldn't. But I also don't like meat is how we ended it. Right, exactly. And I asked you, I said, would you eat every human being? And he, without hesitation, said, yep, uh uh-huh. Yeah, listen, I don't want to, like, I'm no army hammer, okay? No, no, he's not a cannibalist at all. I'm not a cannibalist. I just think it's an an interesting concept. Though I think, to that point, had you gone down with someone who was made completely out of vegetables, then it might be a different story. It's true. 
True. If there was but a, uh, I, I'll just say this this little dog, just doing what doggies do. Yeah, and that doggie's so cute. Little Pomeranian. We, we love Poms. Yeah. We think they're so cute. They're a small and hardy breed. They are a small and hardy breed. Oh. So, unfortunately, yeah, we, we, we get it to a look into sort of the curse that... Yeah, how we, we actually see his vision this time, which is like... Yeah. Oh, gross. Little, like you I, see like intestines. Yeah, I wonder what the, the effect on that was. You know, did they like color peanut butter red and have the dog Oh, I'm sure. It? I'm sure it's just like gelatin or something like that. Like something like men. Unless for- this dog's real method. Maybe. Maybe the dog is a method actor. But things come to a head and not of cabbage when Brookman takes out the trash and finds Madame Zelma's body. No, this is this is another one. This is another one. Yes. Okay. The Madame Zelma was the first person they found no but she has her throat cut by the by the crystal ball this isn't madame zelma though we already did madame zelma no but no because this had her throat cut by the crystal ball that would only make sense oh. in the case of the the fortune teller right because the place they were just with was with the creepy dolls that was not madame zelma right that wasn't madame zelma yeah, because the thing is that this guy is going to a bunch of people who claim they can no but that was the second one the creepy doll one is a second murder yes yeah, the one in the beginning. That's the one that he's finding now. Yes. That's what, yes. Okay, yes. we're on the okay. same page. I think so. Yeah, I think so. Because, again, we're, we're going to get I guess we're going through it in a little bit of a weird timeline. Exactly. Like, in the episode. We don't know. There's the timelines odd. Everyone's looking forward into the timelines. We're going through also a series. Also, it doesn't matter. <laughs> Just there's a bunch of future-looking people that are getting offed right now. Uh, yeah. So, But basically, Bruckman is now going to come into contact with Mulder and Scully, who are immediately onto this guy. Right. They're saying things like you're providing all these details that you wouldn't know, despite claiming that you didn't lift up the lid. All you saw was the hand like you knew the body was missing eyes. Yes. You knew about the shard of crystal ball that we d- was used to kill her, despite the fact that you didn't see the body. So it's clear that something is up right now. Yeah. And he found her body in a dumpster. But like he he knows too much. Also, Scully clocks in the crowd. Uh, the killers there. Yeah. Which is odd. I, I wonder why this guy maybe is it like an ego thing? He yeah, wants to I think to the so. Of his crime. I think so. Um, but yeah, so I guess, um, he, uh, Scully and Mulder are going to like question. Him. Yeah. I mean, yeah. There, Mulder gets, brings him over to the place that they just were with the creepy dolls and Bruckman freaks. Like he vomits when he, I well, guess, I mean, it's was disgusting. <laughs> yeah. Wouldn't you get upset if somebody brought you to a murder scene without any real knowledge of well, it? I, well, and I think the fact that he actually saw the murder take place, like this yes. wasn't just a, Oh, something happened here. It was no, he actually saw it play out in front of him. Yeah. And that made him viscerally. And pure. he like sees them having sex, I guess, but like they liked it. Like unclear. I so this this one is we don't we never saw this happen with the killer. Yeah. I We're only the, seeing it afterwards. I hope the dolls weren't involved. I hope not either. Ew. So she collects dolls. Yeah. Creepy doll alert. No. Um, but yeah, so she collects dolls and they're really weird looking. Yeah, and but I do love when Bruckman talks about again what he saw happen. He just muses sometimes it just seems like everyone's having sex except for me. Yeah, I know, right? Like time and place, bud. Yeah, but the dolls do look very creepy, especially when Bruckman takes one look at one and it has like just this gruesome deformed face yeah. and he freaks out. But this also they don't have the body. No. For this murder. So they're basically bringing Bruckman there because Mulder believes that he has a gift or whatever. And, and this guy which actually... Is, which is really interesting because it's a complete... It doesn't mean that Mulder is absolutely against Mississippi. No, of it just course means that, not. Like, he can sniff out who's the real deal and who's yes. not. Yeah, so <laughs> they finally get him to look at a doll and he sees like a deformed doll face. Like, and that is an indicator. I guess he sees some sort of vision that the woman's going to be found at Glen- Glenview Lake. Yeah, I guess this, this is sort of what, like, the waterlogged, yes. beaten-in face I think it's, of this Yeah, person. I think it's supposed to represent, like, what she would look like when they pulled her out, I guess. Yeah, but it was exactly. nasty. Yeah, so, and while this is also happening, Bruckman just sort of muses out loud to nobody in particular, but of course, Scully and Mulder are there, right, about basically choice versus fate. Mm-hmm. This idea of, if I can see what's going to happen, do any of us really have the ability to choose anything. Yeah. Uh, or, you know, he'll talk later about how sometimes he doesn't want to get in the way of things because he's afraid what might happen in a butterfly yeah. effect way. Like if he saves somebody, like they could go on to be the next Hitler. Or yeah, something. I think it, his logic is if he saves someone, their child can go get in a time machine. Yes. Yeah. Go back in time. And <laughs> what I said was so much more simple. <laughs> and then like prevent his parents 
from giving birth to him. And then that makes him eventually say, okay, I'll do it. Yeah, exactly. Because he doesn't want to actually be alive anymore. Yeah, it's like, this is okay. If this will actually put me on my misery, I'll absolutely go through um, it. But now they have to go find this dead body near the fat, fat little, little white Nazi, Nazi stormtrooper, storm which is like, Scully's like, what? Like, <laughs> that sounds like a Ben Folds album. Yeah, I guess it could be. <laughs> yeah, but it's so Bruckman's going to describe it. And Mulder, again, is is on board with this. But Scully's like, well, I, this is ridiculous. This is absolutely ridiculous. Uh, and then, you know, Bruckman is then going to we're going to find out here. It's an official confirmation that he is psychic in a certain regard. Mm-hmm. As he said, like, we see him constantly play the lottery, but he keeps losing. Yeah. So he's only he's only able to see when a specific person will be de- will die. Yeah. Like at at one time. Like Yeah. Exactly. So it's it's unfortunately like the worst part of being able to see the future. Yeah, exactly. All the bad stuff happen without any of the good. Yeah, and it's like not that useful. <laughs> right. Exactly. So Mulder is trying to recruit him to the cause and as we mentioned before, uh it takes that just really dark argument of, hey, if you do this, maybe it'll stop you from ever being born that actually gets Bruckman on board mm-hmm. to try to Figure out with Mulder if there's a way they can sort of hone in on his powers or use it in a way to help the FBI catch this killer. Yeah, exactly. So they're just going to take him. This is where he goes to the, the station with Mulder and they're going to like start holding evidence objects. I mean, that thing did look pretty ugly. <laughs> yeah, it did. It did. Yeah. Would, would you not have uh, brought it into in for our centerpiece? Well, so it's not a centerpiece. It's a crystal ball holder. They sell oh, them specifically. Interesting. Why the frogs then? Cute. Maybe she just liked frogs. Yeah, something weird, I guess. I don't know. No, no, no. <laughs> Why anything? <laughs> Was there something about how frogs could predict the future one day? Maybe. Maybe yeah. it's her like froggy prince or something. Oh, I could kiss a lot of frogs before one finally has sex with you and kills you. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so I do love the image as well of Scully sort of walking in on the two of them talking, and Mulder just has his head down on the desk. Yeah, because well, because when despondent. it first it first starts out, he like basically can't. He's not getting anything from these bits of evidence because like he can only tell. Like it's so specific. Like he's like, I can tell that the person who made this will die this way yeah and it's like okay (laughs) so weird (gasps) angela i just had a vision of the future we're about to take a break to hear from our sponsors oh boy with lucky land slots you can get lucky just about anywhere this is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Was I right or was I right? You were so right. And so let's move on with the episode here. Scully comes in with some actual hard found evidence, right? She has a keychain that happens to be uh, something that connects all the victims and not in sort of like a red herring way, like we found out uh, at the end of last season. No, it's like actual evidence. Yeah, these all trace back to a company called Uranus mm-hmm. Unlimited, mm-hmm. which uh, uses astrology for marketing purposes, which is very intriguing to me. Yeah, so I guess they're targeting you based off of your your astrological sign. Yeah, like, oh, if you're, uh, you know... if you're, Hey, I think people do that today. <laughs> if, you're, if you're a Gemini, then clearly you're going to enjoy this product more and we'll try to like build out the more uh, duality aspect to it. I think it. we're currently in Aries season. Well, I think it, I believe it is Aries. It's either Aries season or Libra season. No, no, it's Aries season because it's right before Taurus season and that's coming up. That's, that's when 
when you thrive, baby. That is my that is my season and Asher's season. Sorry. Yeah, it's okay. I'll I'll, I'll I mean Lily August. Lily and I are, are holding it down for the Leo, so I we are evenly so. split in this household. We are. It's so weird. Yeah, so sorry, Uranus Unlimited. You can only market like uh one sixth of the zodiac to us. <laughs> yeah, that's it. And also our dog is a dog. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> our dog is a dog. <laughs> so we marketing to her there's a really funny moment here where bruckman just in bringing up the keychain he lists off all the facts about the ceo of this company yes. including his home address but it turns out that it's just coincidental because he happened to he sell him sold a him yes <laughs> and Mulder's like that's incredible how did you do that and he's like oh no i sold him a policy last month yeah <laughs> So they decide, though, to go out together, I think, to, I think to his house. Right? Or I think he just gets a sense of, like, the location where he'll be, right? In the middle he of, like, knows he's clearing. been murdered. Mm-hmm. And he has seen him get murdered. So he, like, because he sees when he died. Right. But he doesn't, he, like, kind of knows where it'll be based off of what it looks like. So he doesn't know exactly. Yeah, it's just, like, a generic forest clearing. But yeah, so he, he's, general, he can't do, like, a GPS Basically, pain. yeah, they're driving out to the middle of the forest to find this guy yeah. dead. He can't drop a pin, you know, and... and <laughs> And so they spend, it. what, the next, like, hour looking through the woods? Yeah, but there's some really interesting conversation here where Mulder's just really trying to dig in, like, okay, was there some sort of accident? You know, do you, how do you see these things? And yeah. he just says, I don't know. Yeah, like, I just do. Leave me alone. Sorry, dude. But then I think Bruckman gets a little bit of a, a revenge on mm-hmm. Mulder here, right? When he says, oh, uh, I know how you'll die. You know, erotic asphyxiation. Uh, yeah, like didn't, zing. Didn't, didn't peg you for that one. <laughs> yeah, and I think he's, I mean, he's obviously kidding, but. you Do you think he's messing with him? Yeah, he's messing with him for sure. I don't, I don't know what Mulder gets up to. It's not I that. Know, I don't think. Like well, that. okay. <laughs> anyway, he goes on to talk about how he did get these visions, how he started seeing them back in the 50s. 1959. Yeah, back in 1959. Um, this whole story about how he had a ticket to see Buddy Holly, even though he's more of a Big Bopper fan. Right. And who says that? I feel like that's saying like uh, Ringo is a better Beatle than Paul. Somebody this guy's age. Like yeah. somebody who like so. actually who cares about the this time. stuff. Yeah. But for those of you that them you know don't know buddy holly the big bopper i, I think there was one other person mm-hmm. were in a, a plane crash remember, yeah. that happened and killed all of them but bruckman muses that i guess on that day like they had flipped a coin to see whether the big bopper or somebody else would get on the yes. plane and he basically has like driven himself crazy thinking about what would happen if that coin flip went in a different direction? Yeah, multiple timelines. And he says from then on out, he became so fixated on the specifics of people's deaths. So this confused me a little bit. Yeah, me too. I think it's saying that he was so obsessed with it that he developed this power, which is like kind of wild. That's a wild thing. And that it's, <laughs> it's not even it's not like a nature thing. I mean, like, maybe it is a little bit. And he had to like awaken it or something like, like, an, like an X-Man power. It was yeah. in his DNA and he just had to have an inciting incident, maybe. Yeah, exactly. Kind of like when you have um, a chronic illness that's incited by trauma. Yeah, perhaps. And I mean, there's a lot of trauma incited with what Bruckman's going through. I just find it interesting that he essentially like from his perspective, almost like psychosomatically manifested this thing. Yeah, and now, and now he can't get rid of it. Yeah. Which he wishes he could. Exactly. Uh, so th- then they go into the middle of this clearing. They haven't found anything, but the car is stuck mm-hmm. in the mud and they can't get out of it. And as Mulder is like getting increasingly frazzled, you know, yeah. he, he's trying to follow this lead that's going nowhere. He's dealing with an uncooperative partner, essentially. Yeah. He's been told he's going to die due to autoerotic asphyxiation. Uh, the, and and the now car, he's covered in mud. And now he's covered in mud. He notices that Bruckman is smiling, but he just says, I'm not smiling. I'm wincing. And it's because... <laughs> I love the way he says that. <laughs> yeah, and it's because the man they were looking for was buried under the mud. Yeah, gross. Yeah, so we find... In Another, to, like, gross hand. In addition to the muddy mud that has been coated on this man, they also find a fiber, which mm-hmm. I think they found on some of the other bodies as well. Yes, it's gonna like turn a, out, it's, a fabric fiber. Yeah, it's going to turn out to be lace, I believe. Uh, it's going to turn out to be Chantilly lace. Oh, yes. Oh, yes, the hit song. Yeah, you didn't know this when I, we were uh, watching listen, it. Uh, That's uh, the Big Boppers hit song, Chantilly Lace. Again, it's it's not nearly as popular as anything Buddy Holly put out there. It's I'm just true. saying. Listen, uh, I only are- know about it because of like doing like my like basic research about the plane crash, Buddy mm-hmm. Holly and Big Bopper. Like it's whatever. I'm just saying, Weezer's not writing a song about the Big Bopper. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so basically, Bruckman, you know, looks. They're trying to get him to like 
go for the fiber, but he's basically like, I, I'm not doing this. Yeah, he's like, anymore. I am over it. I just saw this disgusting body under a car. Like, get away from me. And not only that, they have to eke this information out of Bruckman that he is seeing something from the future mm-hmm. where Mulder is trying to catch the killer. He's in a kitchen. He yes. steps on a pie and gets his throat slit. But then a really, really fun runner, not the, not the literal runner in the form of Mulder, but a runner where he keeps interrupting the climax of the kill to talk about what exactly the type of pie was. That was on the ground that Mulder stepped in. He really is focused on the minutia of this type of stuff. Yeah, exactly. Is there a, is there a type of pie that you would, I don't know, you would want to step on? Or I guess, no, one that you I'm wouldn't? not a big fan of cream pies like key lime mm-hmm. or banana cream or any of those. So I don't think that uh, stepping on it, fine. And give yeah. me, give me anything. Yeah, but you would be really upset if it was like an apple pie on the floor because that's just wasted oh, yeah, pie. I'd, I'd cry. I love apple pie. Yeah, you cry before the the killer just ends it all. You're like, good, put me on my misery. My last image is of uneaten pie. This is not how I want to live. Yeah, totally. So basically, while this is all happening, Bruckman decides to actually withhold what he saw in Mulder dying, the final part of it. Is it just because he feels bad? Because he wants to not I think he just feels bad. I think he just feels bad, but it's like maybe he hopes it'll change too. Yeah. Maybe, because uh, again, if he does that, then they go back in time, back to the future style and prevent him from from existing. So now he wants the timeline to be changed. Uh, but after doing a fun little Karnak the Magnificent impression, it turns out that the killer knows that Bruckman is sort of on the case, as yes. it were. He sends him a letter basically saying like... It's from the killer! The killer, exactly, saying, the first time I meet you, I'm going to kill you. <laughs> Yeah, it's very strange. It's like written very weirdly, too. Yeah. So they're going to go to the hotel where this happens to sort of like stake out the killer, right? In the hopes of he's going to, this is where he's going to be next. So let's try to catch him while the killer is going to make a pit stop to a tarot card reader. Another one. Yeah. This is a dude, though. This is a dude. Uh, Have you ever done tarot card readings or been read before? Yeah, of course. Of course. My sister's Wiccan. She's very into that kind of thing. But also, yes. Yeah, I, think, I was also very into it in middle school. Yeah, I think I had my tarot cards read. During my goth phase. Your goth phase? I think I have tarot did, cards. Did, I have a few decks of tarot cards. Oh, we should play them. You don't Do you, play. You, play you them? don't play tarot cards. <laughs> Get yeah, ding dong. Like Jack or Wild? <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, bloom. <laughs> yeah, so the tarot card reader is going to tell the killer, like, oh, there's an arrival of a, of a beautiful woman who will help yes. explain everything. We're fetishizing Scully again for the umpteen time. She's the time. beautiful woman. Yeah. Um, but but Bruckman is Well, he going, says she's going to he's going to bump into a beautiful yes, woman. Yes, that that's and that's going to be a very key term yes. later on. But the fetish fetishization doesn't necessarily take place on this side. No. More so the Bruckman side. Yeah. Initially, right, where he's saying these things like, "Oh, I have this vision of you and I in bed together." And well, she is giving him such face. Well, cuz the way he's saying it makes it seem like they're going to be doing it, but we find out at the end of the episode he is seeing his death. Yeah. And it is with Scully in bed with him. So why do you think he's so cheeky here? Because he doesn't want her to know. He doesn't want her to, like, think about that. I, mean, I can imagine with the demented psyche of Bruckman, understandably so, that, like, this yeah. is a way to get a little bit of a reaction out of yeah, her. Yeah, I think he's just playing with her. He's never going to tell her, like, oh, you'll be there when I die when I kill myself in bed. Like, right. <laughs> well, even even now, though, I think she she warms a little bit when he starts yeah, talking she, about, like... that's oh, what I say about that soft smile that yeah. she gives. Oh, it's not, it's not post-coitus. It's you looking at me compassionately and tears are streaming down my face in gratitude yeah i think also scully uh not the last moby dick reference she's going to make in this episode but she basically talks about how uh captain ahab and Macbeth proper both basically caused their own doom my misunderstanding prophecy it's true yeah oedipus probably is probably the biggest example of that oh, i would say god yeah yeah very uh bad news very unfortunately so for him and his family as well definition of tragic so Scully decides in this moment, though, she's going to take a little bit of the bait. I think she's been a little piqued in terms of her curiosity. And she's going to ask Bruckman how she dies. And he says, you don't. Mm-hmm. Now, Spencer told me at the time that, quote, 
This sent the fandom into a tizzy and into two different camps based on how Bruckman's remark was interpreted. Yeah. On one side, the fans were freaked out because they interpreted the comment as a tongue-in-cheek lie, as sort of what, what you know, uh, Bruckman did with Mulder yeah. a little bit of like, oh, I know you will die, but I won't say it. Yeah. And then people in the camp were very worried and on high alert that Scully could die over the course of the series. Yeah. Then on the other side, there were people who were jubilant because this basically meant that Scully was immortal. Yeah. Like, oh, great. She's never going to die, at least in the course yeah. of the series. So that basically, you know, ignores things like uh, p- plot armor, which is like, yeah. oh, yeah, you know, it doesn't really matter. She's invincible I mean, no matter what. they both kind of have plot armor. You know, it's like I, I interpreted this as there's something going on with Scully's future that's unclear. Mm. more than anything like not that she's never gonna die but at this moment in time like he can't see her death because it doesn't exist you know like what's like there's just that's how i see it Mm. or at least i saw it that it's supposed to just maybe give you like the one moment in the episode that points to something outside of the episode about scully the rest is still unwritten the rest is still unwritten. Uh, i mean oh yeah, feel the rain on your skin. I won't sing again. <laughs> I was ready to. Leave that to Natasha Benningfield. Yeah. Uh, so you, we mentioned it before. This is where we get the, the Chantilly Lace mm-hmm. mention. You and, know what I like. Exactly. And Bruckman's also going to go into a dream or maybe a nightmare, depending on the way you view it. That yeah, well, so Mulder, Mulder or Scully? Someone asked him how he, if he dreams. I think it's Scully. I forget who asked him, but like if he dreams, what does he dream about? And like... He only has one dream, and it's the weirdest CGI, and it's yeah. so sad. So he's lying naked in a field of in red a bed tulips. Of tulips. Though yeah. um, when we actually see the dream, he is not naked. Maybe no, he's wearing like if this is like X Files HBO. That's I probably think. naked to him. Yeah, I guess more naked. Sometimes, if I'm wearing underwear, I would be like, yeah, I'm naked. Yeah, I guess naked is sort of in the eye of the beholder. Yeah, like you feel naked. Yeah, it's not completely... Maybe, but he's at peace. Is, he's dead. Yeah, is there a difference between naked and buck naked? Is buck naked, like, fully naked? Yeah, buck naked? naked is fully naked. And so naked is more of a progression than an actual state. I don't think there's... You need to define it that strongly. <laughs> naked is naked. He's naked. Is, I'm just, like, Clyde Bruckman with the pie, right? Yeah, Becoming fixated enough. on too many details. <laughs> but, yeah, he's at peace because he's dead. And then we see stages of his body decomposing into putridity and liquidescence. Those words are insane. Who thinks of words like that? Darren Morgan, evidently. And we were treated to a time-lapse montage. Apparently, this was, like, pretty complicated to do. They used a composition composition of CGI and, like, actual corpses to basically simulate his body rotting away. But that's, like, that is joy to him. Yeah, he's and then finally he just is nothing. Yeah. He goes into nothingness and then he turns to her and says, Good night. <laughs> well, good night. That's why I think it was Mulder. No, I think it's Scully because then when, uh, or maybe it is. I think it was Mulder when they, once they switched. Right. Because then Scully comes to the door and Mulder's like, Oh, I didn't get a lot of sleep last night. Yeah. Because he was kept up with this yeah. horrific imagery. <laughs> and plus, I feel like him saying, Well, good night is something he would say to Mulder, not to Scully. Yeah. Oh, I love it though. It's again, it's a great glimpse into yeah. like, Oh, yeah, you want to find out about me? Here's the dark, demented things that occupy my but mind But also, nightly. he just doesn't care. Like, it's just so, like, commonplace to him. Yeah, it's so it's so, like, flase da. Flase da. But now we see of our titular two, the the roles are starting to swap a yes. bit. Maybe due to sleeplessness, Mulder is starting to become a little more impatient and well, aggravated and Scully, with Bruckman. Scully tends to do this as they move along in an episode. She'll become more sympathetic to the person. Mm-hmm. She's not necessarily, like... Um, always going to say like I believe in this ability or I believe in this 100% but like she always or some most of the time connects to the person and so then she you know is warm to the idea that he's telling the truth that, and then I feel like it's the opposite where yeah, Mulder's more- like you're not proving my point yeah, I so think the, it's, it's interesting their reactions to the more they get to know a person yeah so, because for example like you said Scully's going to realize oh there's actually you know a body behind this statistic this is interesting and I'm going to sympathize with them. And Mulder, to your point, is like, are you doing me any help? No, yeah. I don't care. Moving yeah, on. Yeah, like now that you're not doing what I thought you were doing, I like don't like you as much. So they get uh, an F- FBI handler, basically, who's a little yes. bit of a jokester, even though Bruckman... What's his name again? I thought it was like Chavez or something Yeah, like something that. like that. Yeah, I mean, he's not... Well, spoiler alert, he is not long for this world. No, he's very much so the um, the... Uh, red shirt of the episode. <laughs> yeah, red tie, maybe. <laughs> yeah, and he has like. Javes is what Javes, it is. yes. Um, so Agent Javes is there to just kind of like cover for them because they hey, there's been another murder and they yeah. need to go investigate. Which is the tarot card reader. Uh, but they, while they're leaving the hotel room, bump into 
in the hallway, bumps right into Scully, the uh, the killer. Yeah, because the killer who, he is the bellboy. Yeah, so this is sort of, I guess, his day job. After he kills people at night, he just gotta goes back to his job. role as a bellhop. Gotta have a day job. Yeah, but Javes is using this moment to, and he probably doesn't take this very seriously, right? He says, no. okay, how am I going to die? Do I die by lung cancer? And Bruckman says no. He says, okay, great. Smoke them if you've got them. Yeah, then. for sure, which is, I don't think, the right attitude. Yeah, well, listen, maybe this means that he's actually just part of the syndicate, that he's a, one of the cigarette-smoking man's inside men the entire time. Yeah, and anyway, so the bellhop is there, and, and he um, is coming to the room, I guess, with room service. Yeah, and, it's, and so it's purely coincidental. Yeah. So again, he was like predicting the future, right? Like he didn't intend. He he did threaten Bruckman that when yeah. he ran into him, he was going to kill him. But it's not like I'm going to seek you out at this particular hotel. Mm-hmm. He yeah. just happened to run into him. Yeah, and he's like delighted. He's so ecstatic because they just brought him right to him. Yeah, so served him up literally on a silver platter. Yeah. And I also love that you know he comes back and Bruckman just asks. Was was that enough of a tip? Yeah. <laughs> was that not enough? Because again, Bruckman has, yep. has no idea, basically. Uh, and so the two of them have a conversation, and the killer was also sort of going after Bruckman because I think he knew of his abilities. And yes. said, okay, I need you to tell me why I why I do this. And Bruckman says, it's because you're a homicidal maniac, dude. Yeah. And he's like, oh, oh, great. Oh, Thank I was you so, so wor- much. I was so worried it was something bigger. Okay, well, uh, for your troubles, I'm going to kill you now. Yeah, exactly. So then they start this chase. Yeah, a little bit of a chase. Well, first he's going to, poor Javes is going to walk out of the bathroom. Oh, yeah. And he's so slow on the trigger that he gets stabbed before he even pulls his gun. And not a great agent. Yeah. So basically, Scully as Mulder, they go to this tarot card crime scene, and Scully super adept and detail-oriented, knows there's a familiar face who is missing from the usual peanut gallery. Mm-hmm. Um, but she, the the way she actually discovers it is that she notices the fiber that she finds is the same as what was on the tray that the bellhop had. Because she has it on her, because she, she had a literal yes. run-in with him. Yes, exactly. So she realizes that's who it's from. And like you said... Now we get into the chase, into the kitchen. You said this is very evocative of Jurassic Park. I did. I say, oh, Jurassic Park. Yeah, if only Mulder... He also, like, the the killer turns the lights off right when they walk into the kitchen. I was like, just set in the stage. Yeah, if only Mulder could have tricked him by using a reflection in a dishwasher. But no. The clever guy. Uh, But Mulder prevents the the future from happening, right? Mm -hmm. He, He steps in the pie and is able to sort of wrestle with the killer for a while and then it just so happens Scully, who ends up getting on the wrong elevator, ends up in the right place at the right time yeah. and shoots the killer. Yep. So that's that's interesting because uh, even the killer says, hey, is this not supposed to this isn't supposed to happen. So what do you think happened here? Well, I think by becoming in contact with Bruckman, they learned things that they didn't know in whatever timeline existed previously. So they changed it. Right. So they set things off on another course. Yeah. Just by meeting Bruckman and learning information that they didn't know. Yeah. Okay. That that makes sense. That like just in learning a possibility of the future, they were able to prevent that future from happening. Yeah, exactly. Because once you know certain details about certain things, you can't help but remember them and and, and change things based on that. See, so that by, from- by understanding the pie and stepping in the pie, he remembered, ev- you know, everything that he told him and he was able to like move differently. And- yeah. See, from the Mulder's perspective, I understand the Scully stuff is really interesting. Well, we again, don't know that Scully didn't appear after Mulder's death. She I guess might, that's true. You know, like, that yeah, her he, timeline might not have changed he, at all. I guess he was so focused on Mulder, he might not have seen the elevator. But I do find that's interesting, sort of, again, back... And in, she might have come, but not in time. Yeah, but it's an interesting, like, fate versus free will conversation, yeah. right? Where she ends up getting on an ele- the elevator that doesn't go to the place that she wants right. to go, but it's the right place. Yeah, well, that's all that sort of coincidental stuff. Everything happens for a reason, blah, blah, blah. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> blah, 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 blah. Uh, no, we're dealing with vampires in another episode. <laughs> yeah, so, not this one. <laughs> so Mulder and Scully save the day, right? The killer yep. is dead. He shall not kill anymore. The killer's also sort of at peace because he realized that he's just a, a, a screwed up A crazy up person. person. <laughs> so they, they go to, to visit Bruckman because they've lost contact with him. Yeah, and he's not in the hotel. He's not in the hotel. They go to his building and first they find a note on his door mm-hmm. would you like a dog yeah do you want a dog but it's said in, the, in a way that's like very like straightforward like um you He's, know yeah like please forgive him yeah for like i'm did. so sorry please forgive me for what i did also would you like a dog yeah exactly. <laughs> like, <laughs> like don't judge him that he ate his owner he was desperate so scully gets a doggo yeah, she gets a doggo who it will be titled Queequeg. Off of Moby Dick. Off of Moby Dick, because that's the harpooner. And also that 
is like in in line with how her and her dad talk to each other. So she's Starbuck and he's Ahab, and mm-hmm. she just continues the tradition. That's really cute. She gets a doggy. Don't get too attached. Oh no, <laughs> we're not going to watch that episode. Okay, but I'll tell you, the doggy does not make it and gets eaten by an alligator. By an alligator? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh my, it's like that episode of Bob's Burgers. The big old spoilers for everyone. Sorry. Oh, no. So enjoy Queequeg while he lasts. I will, because he's really cute. I mean, maybe they had to write him off the show. Maybe he got a bigger, better job. Yeah, he could. Maybe he was gonna. He was all set up to be on Everybody Loves Raymond. Yeah, Your it's boy possible. Loved working with him. It's possible. I mean, he's very cute. He's so cute. You love Pomeranians. I do. When I was growing up, Pomeranian was like the first number one dog breed that I wanted, but my dad was aller- is allergic to it. They're very hairy. They're very hairy, <laughs> and they probably are a nightmare when it comes to shedding. And I yeah. know that both my dad and you are allergic to dog hair. So. Yeah, I mean, to an extent, yeah. Like, I can handle it a little bit better than your dad, but... And also, it's it's, it's a fun little X-Files take on this, though, of like, yeah, Scully gets a dog. It's like getting, you know, Santa's little helper on The Simpsons, but there's a demented part of it in that, oh, yeah, this dog ate its owner. Yeah. And now it's Scully's. <laughs> this dog ate its owner, now it's Scully's. And, like, it's so funny seeing her with the dog because you just don't think she's a dog person at all. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I think, again, like, she is, I think she is nurturing and caring. I just don't think she's be. a dog person. Like, if she was going to have a pet, I think she should yeah. have a cat. Oh, because I think that the cat owners no offense to cat owners i think they are able to like leave for longer mm-hmm. portions of time and expect their cats to take care of themselves yeah. those are not dogs no dogs need a so hopefully she has someone to, to dog sit a lot because i'm assuming she's going to be doing more of this jet setting on the run run type of stuff yeah maybe it goes and stays with her mom but they go inside and brookman has done it he he has killed himself so he, not only has he overdosed on medication but he has suffocated himself with a plastic bag yeah it's a pretty dark image it's an incredibly dark image and apparently this is also like a, a tantamount piece of darren morgan's work is like while there is some lightness to it i mean uh spencer sort of classified it as like a lightly tragic episode yes. where there is some levity but there's a lot of gruesome aspects like impending tragedy yeah this is a really tragic ending i mean yeah it's, it's weird because it's it's sort of it's like comic tragic in that he it seems like clive bruckman does this to find peace and yeah now that he's like save the day he sort of feels like his job is done from that perspective but it's still it's incredibly it's sad because it's, it's a callback again to like despite how much we loved Peter Boyle's delivery, just how utterly miserable he was yeah. every day that he he finally had to end it all. Yeah, and his brief time with Mulder and Scully like was able to like do something that was enough for him to like come to terms with it being the time for him to go. Yeah, and like he said it when he was talking to Scully about this vision that she's she's looking at him over the bed and yeah. tears are streaming down his face in gratitude. So yeah. it's not even like a oh poor me. It's it's like a thank you for helping me through this. Totally. Yes, yeah, so, but it's rough it's it's deep it's, it's very deep, deep of, yeah. of him feeling like he found his purpose and now feeling like he can, he can move on to whatever comes next deep for scully too because i think that she's somebody who gets attached and then this guy's dead yeah and we see that at the end of this episode here right where mm-hmm. scully is uh watching some laurel and hardy like cartoons yeah. about skeletons <laughs> with queequeg and then she gets uh, a yappy infomercial and she gets so incensed with his insistence yeah. that he can see the future that she throws the phone through the tv yeah it's a very dark ending it's very like like there's no music over yeah, like it no, it's and, just no, like, and nobody's happy no yeah. but good it's, it's impactful i mean it's it's incredible this is yeah, a very very, well very 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 well done episode it's, it's a really fine line to walk you know if you're just mm-hmm. given the pitch of this is a guy who can only see how everyone dies and he's completely miserable. You think that might What's be the most that? depressing hour of television ever, but I, it was really done well. What's that movie with Edward Norton as the dinosaur? Edward Norton as the... Uh, you mean dinosaur? No, it's like he's in it, but there's... It, I think Robin Williams is in it, maybe. Oh, we're back at Dinosaur Story? No, it's like really dark. It's like... Um, I'll have to look it up, but it's like a very dark comedy and it always, anytime I talk oh, about it. Oh, uh, Death to Smooch? Yeah, yeah. Like that. I, was, I thought you meant literal dinosaurs, not a guy in a no. dinosaur costume. No, no, no. But I always feel, I always think about that movie because it's like such a well done dark comedy. Like yeah. it's like very dark, but at the same time, it like, I, I always find it really funny. No, I, I, I like the use of levity through it, but it doesn't necessarily mock the ideas no. that it's going for. Exactly. It, it, like, takes, it takes breaks to sort of mire itself in again this choice of fate versus free will and to talk mental about health and mental all that health stuff. and to talk about like 
why you know the struggles that can happen when you don't feel like yourself mm-hmm. it's it's a, just a really i'll use the word i think it's a beautiful episode yeah as i really well. like it, it meditates on several points but also in a a very singularly funny way while also being incredibly touching at the same time yeah and this is one of those episodes too when i was watching the show for the first time I, there, there wasn't the internet like i didn't know what other people were. i mean there was but i wasn't there was, on it there was nearly everybody loves raymond but there was not the internet no there was the internet but i wasn't like you where i was on message boards and mm-hmm. in chat rooms and like on the dark web like i was just watching things to watch them and like experiencing them in my own right and so like i remember really loving this episode and then later finding out that everyone else like had the, and it was well received and all that stuff because mm-hmm. you know at the time that it was well received i was too young to have watched it so um I think it's great that it's something that like you can watch without any any sort of pretense that this needs to be the best episode ever of X Files. So like yeah. you'll watch it and you'll just know that exactly because sometimes you hear when episodes are going to be like, oh, this is the greatest episode of all time, and then you start watching it and you're like, oh, I don't really think that. Well, and I think also some of it is a lot of those episodes are based in previous you know totally. history of the show. You don't and, you need know, to know any of that. For this, this is this is sort of like the constant. Of- yes. The X-Files, in that you could walk in here, just show this episode to anybody. Hell, I'm a test subject in that regard, and yeah. you can still really enjoy it. I want to finish, I guess, with the the title itself, because I guess Clyde Bruckman's Final Repose is one of those really fun titles in that the ending was there the entire time, right? Because repose means a resting place. Yeah. And so basically it's saying, hey... This is going to be the last thing this guy does before he dies. So don't be surprised when he dies at the end. And that's another really fun thing about this is that as you as shocked as you may be by the ending throughout this entire time we spend with him, it was there the entire time with the TV guide. Yeah, exactly. So next week, we're going to move on. I don't know how you follow up Clyde Bruckman's final repose, but we are going to keep going our end is no time soon. And yeah. We're going to be continuing through season three. Uh, spoiler alert, we're going to be spending like a good month and a half in season three. We've got a lot of good episodes, but we took a break with a quote unquote monster of the week episode, mm-hmm. or at least non-serialized. We're going to come back with a two-parter. We are. So we're going to be doing season three, episode nine. Uh, n- n- Nisei? Yeah, I, that's Nisei? How, I would say Nisei, but I don't Nisei, know. Nisei and season three, episode 10, seven three ones this is a two-part episode that happens in the middle of season three is there anything you can tell me about what exactly we're going to be in for next week no <laughs> okay thank you thank you for being the anti-bruckman and not giving yeah me i'm not gonna give you too much because i feel like it's one of the it's a it's it's mythology arc so yeah. um i think that all you need to know is that it's a lot about alien human hybrids okay great we're getting back to we're the getting back into stuff. that and Nisei is referring to, it's a Japanese word referring to, I believe, um, it's like a term for a type of person. Oh, but okay. it, basically, there's a Japanese research program okay. during World War II again. So you just need to know, that's all you need to know for now. Oh, are we going to go abroad? I do think we go abroad. Oh, I do think there are some quality possible like alien autopsies. Mm. Of, so you see some more of those fun little na- alien yeah, bodies. Yeah, would be Fox if we weren't seeing alien autopsies. Um, but yeah, I think that those are the big things. Okay, so yeah, next week we are getting back into the arcs of it all with Nisei and 731. Again, that's season three, episode nine and episode 10. Of course, if you have thoughts about the episodes we're about to watch, or thoughts about Clyde Bruckman's Final Repose as well, don't be shy. Reach out to us. You can email us, bloomfiles at poshowrecaps.com or xfiles at poshowrecaps.com. And special thanks to Spencer and Fitzy and everyone else who has been sending in a feedback throughout. We treasure it greatly. You can also contact us on social media, specifically on Twitter. Angela is at Ange Palagi. I am at a Mike Bloom type. And of course, we are at poshowrecaps. If you would like to rate and review the Bloom Files only feed, of course, that is greatly appreciated. We're still only within, you know, the first couple months of this. So if we still want to pop on the charts, mm-hmm. much like Clyde Bruckman's Final Repose made the X-Files pop on television prestigious <laughs> radar, we want to pop, pop on other people's radar as well. And also, you know, this is the beginning of the month that we are nearing. Perfect time to become a patron at Post Show Recaps. Uh, Patreon.com slash Post Recaps is where you want to go to do that. We are talking about the X-Files and so much more, everything from the shows that are being podcasted about to miscellaneous stuff. 
to everything in between. Quite literally, every topic in the world is probably broached in that Discord. So yeah. become a patron. You can check out a bunch of exclusive content there as well. So that's going to do it for this week on the Bloom Files. Oh, wait. Spook of the week. Who do, who do we think that is? A lot of spooky people this yeah, week. Yeah, a lot of spooky people, but I'm going to go with um uh the killer. You're going to go with the killer? Yeah. Uh, I, I'm between Bruckman and Yappy. Because Yappy was just such a kook. But, but, I what, feel, but was he a spook? Yeah, he wasn't a spook. I'm going to give it to Bruckman. I think that <laughs> I just want to do it to like, he wasn't even the spookiest, but I want to commemorate just a really like once in a lifetime performance from Peter Boyle here that I was so happy to check out. Yeah, so I'm happy. To, I'm happy to make him a spook in a very spook filled episode. Yeah, of very X-Files. spooky. And we're going to get back to the spooks and everything else next week with Nisei and 731. That's going to do it for this week's edition of the Bloom Files. Thank you all for listening, Angela. Much thanks as per usual. Special thanks as well to Corey B for the fantastic theme song that you're hearing right now. But until next week, case closed. Bye. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.